the purpose of this is like every guy I met mirrored back to me something that I wanted to get better at or grow or change within myself or that I loved about myself that I didn't love about them. It helped me hone down on my negotiables and non-negotiables of what I wanted out of my life and what I wanted out of a partner. Welcome to Real with Teal. This world is evolving, my friends. We are elevating as a collective, and it is my mission to expand your mindset and see the realness. You will be hearing from the top thought leaders, change makers, and entrepreneurs across all industries on how energy, intuition, manifestation, and consciousness have all played a massive role in their success and fulfillment. I'm your host, Teal Cooper. Let's get real. Today is going to be a good one. You're going to be listening to a chat I had with Blair Ward. Blair was one of my first friends in college. I actually met her orientation day and she just so happened to be one of my college roommates in a suite of six other girls. The first day I met Blair just sums up like who she is as a person. We were sitting next to each other at the orientation speech, listening to the president of San Diego State University speak to hundreds of thousands of students and their families. And she looks over at me, looks at me dead in the eyes. And she says, that's going to be me in four years. And I was like, wow, okay. Fast forward four years. And what do you know? Blair was elected student body president of SDSU and was the CEO of Associated Students, which is a $26.8 million nonprofit at the age of 21. Today, we talk all about her latest accomplishment, which is her first book ever published called 10 Dudes, A Dating Journey to Self-Love. And I mean, it's just so interesting to hear her story. It's, it's so unique, but also so relatable. And she really just gives some great dating advice based on her own experience and also including the psychology and the science behind it. Blair has become a true thought leader in the love and relationship space, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear her story. So if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you screenshot and share with a friend on Instagram, tag at Blair Ward and at Real With Teal, and let's dive in. I'm just so excited that I get to see you today in your beautiful wilderness. Oh, it's so nice. It's the first time I've been outside all day. I love it so much. But okay, I texted you right when I finished the book, 10 Dudes. And I, no joke, finished 10 Dudes in five days. And like, it made me feel all the emotions. Like cried, I laughed. Like I was like reading parts to my mom out loud. So I was in Aww. Dallas. And I was like <laughs> dying at the the period scene at um, Soho House. Soho House. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I fucking love the book. I want to start just by you kind of telling us without giving too much away, give us a brief overview about like what 10 dudes is all about and what inspired you to write this book in the first place. Okay. First of all, Teal is an OG. She was my first friend in one of my first friends in college on the first day of school. We met in the Cuica Cali suites at San Diego State University. (laughs) So she was there. You have seen me take like a really strong transition from who I was in relationships to who I am now. So um, to start, the person Teal met 
was um, a girl that had been through a lot of heartbreak, was in a toxic relationship. Um, luckily, a great friends with the person now. But back then, I just was super mature. My whole identity was in the person that I had started dating because, I mean, when you're with, he was my whole childhood, right? He was my first love. So when you're with someone for such an extended amount of time, like one of your best friends, they just become a part of you. And I didn't really know who I was outside of him. So I took that breakup hard. I was in another four and a half year relationship, took that one really hard. And because uh, the older you get, the more you're thinking about like marriage and what is this going to be like long-term? It's not like, can he party in the frats? It's like, can he go or can he go to Coachella? It's more like, can he buy a wedding ring? Can he buy a house? Like, can he hold a job there's bigger questions you start asking yourself and so when I moved to Los Angeles that first day I was heartbroken again I got broken up with over text message and didn't know what to do Um, found myself kind of like a basket case again your typical friend that you just want to like shake and tell to either like get a life get a therapist or get on with what she's doing because I struggled so deeply with moving past this person like would Patrick the starfish on my bed and just ruminate over my thoughts think about them all the time cry to and from work listen to sad music I gained a bunch of weight half of that was from a chronic illness but the other half was like I literally my self-esteem was so low and I coped in every way possible um drinking, partying, uh, distractions, everything but what people tell you you should do. And um, found myself in quite a mess when I first moved to LA. And um, that led me to a place where therapy is expensive. Um, Having a good therapist in LA is even more expensive. And I took to self-development because self-development was... um, cheap and you could go on YouTube and listen to the Esther Perel's, Matthew Hussey's, the Stefan Speaks, the Marissa Peers, the Lewis Houses of the world talk about relationships and learn a lot from them, um, do their like online courses, their listen to their podcasts, go where they are, listen to them speak and know that around you, their audience was a bunch of other people who are feeling feeling similar to you and that they already had or that they had helped thousands, millions of other people that needed the support. And so um, that led me to self-development, which led me to meeting Lewis House, who's my current um, boss. And um, from there having, you know, very quick and passing side conversations with some of these people, um, through time, which made me realize there's such a need for, um, to support romance and self-esteem and self-confidence and self-worth in people. Because when you start looking at like couples and dating, you know, it's so much more than just how you show up on a date. It's like how you show up as a person in the world. And, um, yeah, people really struggle with that. So I was one of them. And I threw myself into studying all the science around mate choice, attraction, um, communication was my BA in college. And then how 10 dudes came about was everyone had a side hustle except for me. Like I was working a bunch of jobs at the time, ended up working at Sony Pictures and Entertainment and um, was surrounded by this entrepreneurship community. So I wanted to do something myself. That was number one. Number two was 
I was working at a PR agency whose client was a big dating app who I can't name, but think of the top ones. And it was one of them. And they were just getting started at the time. And I was tasked to do a competitive analysis of all of the other dating apps. And from there, I realized that 20 million people a month as of a few, seven months ago, or last time I read the study are on dating apps. So the number maybe has decreased or declined, but still that's a lot of people. And then I looked into the founders of the companies and thought, wow, people have commodified love and that's crazy. So, um, how do they do that? Well, they understand a basic human need is connection. And um, from there, I became insanely interested in it with my own bias because I didn't understand it. Obviously, I was a mess, but also um, started realizing there's some, there's some importance here. There's something here that, sure, the apps are capitalizing on and influencers can capitalize on, but um, I just saw a pocket of support that was needed that I didn't think had been created yet, which is someone just being, you know, you get these influencers like talking about dating and relationships. They know all everything about it, but like, where are the people that are just like, I am a normal human. I've messed up. I've done all the mistakes that you've made. Now here's what I've experienced and here's how you can overcome it. And that was the birth of 10 dudes. So 10 dudes started six years ago and um, I started online blogging and no under a pseudonym at the time, because my company was, was asking me to experiment on these apps. It was kind of like a work thing, but also I was undercover doing it to try to understand love, posting blogs, posting blogs. I think the third one went viral. And when I say viral, like it got hundreds of thousands of views around the world, enough for some podcasts and public speaking events, some fans on public transport, but nothing crazy. It was like nothing, what you consider viral now, which is like millions. Um, and then I was overwhelmed and anxious. So I took it all offline and hid on the other side of the planet in Scotland for a year. And then finally turned it into a book six years later when um, a lot of movies and other people have come out kind of doing similar stuff, but. I love it. Yeah, and that's what happened. That's a story. Um, okay. And also you forgot the part about the museum. Okay. Yeah. That's the main part. So, <laughs> you didn't tell that part too. Yeah. That was a part. So I was in, and you'll read that in the book, but I was in a museum and there's these two girls there and they asked why oh, wait, I, this was before your blog started. Yes. Yes. Okay. So it was like this cocktail of stuff that was adding up where my whole life in LA, I, I didn't have a life. I didn't have friends there yet. Like uh, a lot of our mutual friends hadn't moved. So I was on my own. And for some reason it was like self-development, my job, my own personal interest in singleness. And then this one day I was at the museum and there's these two girls that were there and they, um, they were like, what are you doing here? And I was bored. And so I just wanted to mess with them. And I was like, oh, well, and see, here's the thing. The best lies are the ones with some truth. So I heard that once. I don't know by who, but I heard it. The best lies are someone's with some truth. So I wasn't really lying when I told them that I was an undercover author writing about um, dating and modern romance and tasked to go on all of the dating apps and date hundreds of guys around the world and then share the story. I wasn't really lying because I was on all of the dating apps, dating all these people for my work. And I was reporting back to my work what I was finding, but- I hadn't, and I, I hadn't started 
I was started journaling notes on my phone and stuff, but I hadn't started an online blog. So I told them that I was like undercover writer doing this experiment, traveling the world, dating hundreds of guys, writing about it. And then that's when the girls freaked out and they're like, that's amazing. That's so exciting. We want to read it. And then I left and I was like, I'm a psychopath. But at the same time, I was like, wait, that's actually, I could do that. No one would expect me to do that because I was all like business, like professional back in college and like trying to be responsible and whatever my senior year. And then I was business oriented at Sony, but behind the scenes, I was this complete freak blogging about all my dating (laughs) stuff. So it was a really cool undercover. Plus I was just like this average girl in LA. Like I wasn't some influencer or whatever. I was just really undercover. If that makes sense. So the blog was called 10 dudes and it was, it was what? It was called 10 dudes on Tinder. Got it. And this was like a compilation of more than 10 dudes. It was like an experiment of dating, but also like combined with the science. Cause that's what you're really passionate about at the time. Were you reading about the science then too? Yeah. So it sucks because now that I read science all the time, every day with my health psychology masters, I would have put like so much more into that book about what I know now, but that's really cool. Cause it was like, right when I was starting out, I was just learning how to cite things like, um, and like actually read scientific literature and stuff. And yeah, I, um, I started reading the science because I, which I suggest everyone do who's listening to this, um, read if, if people are struggling with, I just heard that science was like the answer to things. Like, that's what I heard. So now we know it's not, (laughs) there's so much we need to learn and we can't just rely on it because it has led us astray so many times, but Um, I love science. So what I did was when I couldn't figure out love, I went on PubMed and psych info, which anyone can do. And you can search key terms like love, dating, relationships, modern romance, attraction, connection, pheromones, like any of those things. And then just start reading what's been proven to work. And that's when I learned that um, people know whether or not another person is attractive within 30 seconds of meeting them. And so with that being said, that's how dating apps were created. And that changes a lot about how we date in the future. It's like, it's why appearance is important um, to whoever you're trying to attract. It's why we can't deny facts that I so desperately wanted to deny for so long. I was like, love me for who I am, but like, that's great. And I love that. And I'll probably get so much shit for saying that, but love you for who you are as the best you, you know, try to be your best self. And um, so it's a little stuff like that, that I love. Okay. So I just think it's like such an amazing story. And it's what the best part is, is it's real. Like it's not made up. Like mm-hmm. this book is so authentic and raw. And something you said at your launch that like really stuck with me was I've always thought, and I think a lot of other people thought this too, that dating, when you're dating someone, you need to figure out how to love yourself before you get into a relationship. But your book is all about a journey to self-love. Can you like expand on that and what your beliefs are around that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so happy to be talking to you. By the way. It's like, I love it. Um, Teal did drive up from San Diego to the launch. So I appreciate you forever for doing that. Uh, so we, it's interesting there isn't 
science that supports we need to love ourselves before we love someone else. I mean, Rihanna has a song that says we found love in a hopeless place. So people find meet love. Like I just, one really strong couple I know who have been dating for 40 years met at an AA meeting. Like these Alcoholics Anonymous people, they did they did not love themselves when they were like face to the bottle, right? They didn't know who they were. They didn't have identities. They grew in love together and they grew together with themselves. And sometimes you, I mean, I did have a stint of five years after the experiment where I was alone. And I think it's really good to be alone. Like some, God, I can name like 10 people on my fingers right now who just literally need to be alone. And I was one of them. I like, couldn't not date someone um, because it's our natural urge and drive to want to seek a partner. So if anyone has ever felt like a desperation or like, how do I, who's going to be the next person? Am I going to be forever alone? Like that kind of thing. It's, that is literally chemicals and thoughts in our mind and our body telling us that we need to mate or nest with someone. So um, being alone is hard, but it's necessary, but it doesn't, you don't have to be alone and learn to love yourself before you love someone else. Does it make, um, the initial attraction situation easier? Probably because the more authentic and true to yourself you are, and the more, you know, yourself, the more easier it's going to be to connect with someone else, but everyone is where they are. Like you are where you are. And, me Blair was perfect for the um, me that I was when I dated both of my exes, but I would never date either of my exes now. And so no offense to them. They're amazing, but like we're (laughs) totally different parts of our lives. And I'm sure you can say the same about your exes, like so many good times, so much fun and teal then was great for them. But like the reason why the universe took you in a different direction is because teal now maybe wouldn't have been so aligned. So um, for me, every time, I think we all meet people for a reason because they mirror something back to you. And Teal, something that I always loved about you, if you if you know Teal, if, if whoever's listening to this, something I love about Teal is anyone could say, like, if you had a homecoming queen of San Diego State, it would be Teal Cooper. So oh if, God. We, if we had like the most loved person on our campus, at least in our small little community, friends Aww. with everyone, it would be Teal. And that's because you had, you all, you live life. Like you really do it. You know what I mean? You don't just like, if you're going to going to a party, like you're going to the party. If you're going on a trip, you're going on the trip. If you're going to dive into your business, you dive into your business. You go to Joshua tree and write a million miles on a piece of paper <laughs> for days, like manifesting and all the stuff. So you really live life and go all in. That's what I, I admire about you. Aww, and thanks, um, I don't like, so I've learned that and my resolution this year is to have more fun and to go more in because I'm I I'm super hermit. I always have been like introverted, whatever. So what if if people are our mirrors, how do we learn who we are without other people around us? And so like you can learn who you are on your own with yourself and your therapist or yourself and your girlfriends on a trip to Costa Rica, but like at the end and if you go on a trip to the UK by yourself, like I did, I learned about myself then, but really the purpose of this is like every guy I met mirrored back to me, something that I wanted to get better at or grow or change. 
within myself or that I loved about myself that I didn't love about them. It helped me hone down on my negotiables and non-negotiables of what I wanted out of my life and what I wanted out of a partner. I got to know myself by dating all these people. And that's why I encourage people to not arrive at dates saying like, oh, this guy has got to be the one or this girl or whoever. It's like, what can I learn from this person is a better way to project. Are they my friend or are they my foe? Like what adventure are we going to have? What do I like and what I don't like about them? And if you have that experimental approach, it takes the pressure off the date, but it also is a very mutualistic experience. And there's more chance of a, a deeper connection like later on. So basically I just, at the book launch for everyone who's listening, I don't believe you need to fall in love with yourself before you fall in love with other people. I think you should constantly be doing that in or out of a relationship. It's so true. And I I've heard it this somewhere where it's like you, um, it's, you grow more when you're with a partner than when you're with yourself, because you're triggered more when you're in a relationship. And it's like, when you're alone, it's just easier because no one's really triggering you. It's like, you know, and so when you're triggered, you're like, oh wait, why am I triggered? And then you realize that's stuff you want to work on. But when you're alone, let's you get triggered way less. Um, I'm curious, like, do you remember like the top things that come to mind of like things that were mirrored back to you from the dating experience? What are they? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question. I, well, you brought up the triggering thing, which, oh, I mean, especially from anyone that's had any sort of like toxic relationship where it was like mentally abusive, verbally abusive, physically abusive, um, dating a narcissist, dating a cheater or like, or whether you were the narcissist, you were the cheater and you're grappling with that shame and that guilt and wanting to be a better person and move on from that. And like, it's both sides of the coin. Um, Relationships are super triggering. So the first thing is I went through, but even more triggering to people who have been through all that toxic stuff. So for me, since my whole relationships were like soup, like toxic as fuck my whole life, um, (laughs) I'm like your therapy case, like all the therapists just hitting their head against the table. like, but, like yeah. it's made you who you are at this point in your life, like come yeah. this far and made you so passionate about this field, you know? Yeah. Cause I want to help people be that very well and then not be that anymore. You know what I mean? Like totally. Be, so anyway, the biggest triggering things I learned, well, from each guy, um, I, the biggest lesson I learned was that I'm very reactive. I'm super emotional and super sensitive. And I never wanted to see myself like that. Like maybe you saw me like that, but I always saw myself like this strong, like, (laughs) like everyone saw me as opposite, but I saw myself as really strong. Like I had it all together. I didn't have it all together and I'm very reactive. And so I would realize like these triggering things would come up. Like I would be with a guy with a wandering eye, or I would think this guy's cheating or he wasn't texting back and I was getting anxiety about it. And I was tunnel vision focusing on why I wasn't getting a call or why I wasn't getting a second date. And, um, so, and I was super reactive. So like, I would be the person to send the text right away or to like call up right away or just, and I guess the first lesson I, I really learned if I'm thinking from the beginning of the chapter back is, um, how to not be. And I've really, gotten good like last night off the podcast I told before we start recording I told Teal how I had a triggering moment in my own 
relationship where I was feeling insecure and instead of freaking the fuck out, like I usually would, (laughs) um, like losing my shit. I think I've got a little more emotional control. I'm not as afraid of my feelings as I used to be. Um, because I, I've practiced grace and, um, in therapy, they call that exposure response therapy. So with people with OCD, do you know anyone with OCD? Um, my brother. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So yeah. Anyone who has OCD, um, obviously symptoms are on a spectrum, but I had one friend in high school that had to touch things three times, like very typical, um, OCD type of situation. And what we did in exposure, exposure response therapy. And what he did was basically had to touch things two times or one time. And then we held his hand back and he couldn't touch it three times. And you do that. And it's you, the reaction this can have with people is astounding. They'll, I mean, my friend crawled up on the, on the floor and shook like in tears, freaking out because he couldn't touch the ball three times, like how he wanted. It's like this loss of control thing. So Um, but through time, the more we practice that, the less reactive he became. So I learned that the more I learned, wow, I struggle here. I'm very reactive, but the more I put myself in reactive situations, it's like a game. The more I, the less I'll react and the more I'll practice grace and the more I'll be in control of my feelings. And so that was a long winded answer to your first question, but I would say for people who are in toxic relationships, a big area of shame for us is our reactivity to triggers. And a great way you can move past that is by not by like wallowing in therapy about it, but by putting yourself back on the pony and riding and trying again. Like for alcoholics, I talk about addiction a lot in my own coaching, but is liberation, this is gonna piss people off too, is liberation from alcoholism, going to AA and never drinking a sip of alcohol in your life? Or is liberation being able to walk into a bar, take a drink and walk out and know you're not going to have 10 more. And that it's different for everyone, but I like urge people to have more faith in themselves that there's a life out there better than they imagined. And they don't have to be under the constructs of what doctors or other people in their community tell them they have to be. If you want to be like trigger-free, trauma-free, whatever, there's ways to go about that. Same with alcohol, same with drugs, same with any other problem people have. So, but would it, so okay, for being reactive, um, would you say like the, the counter or like the opposite, I guess. Devil's advocate. Devil's advocate. That's the word I'm trying to think of is if something were to happen that triggers you, don't you think it's better to say something than to bury it, even though it is reactive than not say anything at all? That is such a solid question. And Teal also called me out on this too, which is why you need friends and good people in your life to help you evaluate it. Because when you're in it, you can't, and this is what I'm saying, you can't do things alone. We're, there's a quote in my book that's like, you're, um, you, you alone can only heal yourself. So only you can heal yourself, but you shouldn't heal alone, if that makes sense. Like you have to be the person that heals you, but you need other people to help you heal. Totally. Um, like you have to be the one that has that realization and like yes. revelation, you know? Yeah. So, um, I think it depends on the situation to answer your question and totally. like, I, it totally does, but I, um, it depends. Like if, if you're being authentically, um, 
depending on the situation, if you're being authentically true to yourself, then um, you would say it with conviction where you're at. Um, my issue was that I, I wouldn't ever allow myself the peace and the space to process because sometimes like one trigger for people you know, who can't get triggered, one trigger can become everything's a trigger. It's like, it's not like, oh, my boyfriend is taking too long to respond. And that's my primary trigger. It's like, it's kind of like you're ultra sensitive to the world. At this point, I was just so sensitive, hypersensitive to everything. So now it's not like I don't right away, like if there's a big problem, like come up and address it. But I just try to give myself the space to process first to make sure it's actually something that um, needs to be said. Because for me individually, most oftentimes it, it didn't need to be said. It didn't need to be acted on. It was like an impulse, if that makes yeah. sense. No, I, totally. like, I want to eat the cookie. I want to eat the cookie. I want to eat the cookie. I'm just going to keep eating the cookie without processing. Like, do I really want it? That's kind of how I'm equating my like trauma um, trigger responses. But the point you're bringing up is, yeah, true liberation really would be able to like handling your shit when you're speaking of it. Right. It's hard, way harder than it yeah. sounds. It's like, yeah. of course, when you're in the moment, you know, it's never as easy as it sounds. It is hard, but you can. The more you practice, the better you get. Exactly. And you can't practice unless you're in relationships, AKA creates more growth. But from your book, I feel like you had, like you had so many learning experiences when it came to dating. If you were to wrap up into like a solid list of like tips, I guess, like successful dating tips, what would you say? Okay, so the number one successful dating tip. Ooh, this is such a good question. I hate when I listen to podcasts and someone's like, this is a great question to give them like <laughs> pause because throughout the book, there's like 12 million tips. Um, okay, the first the first tip I would give, okay, this, is, this isn't in the book, but I ha- it got taken out of the book. It was in the original oh, blog, but we juicy. took it out. Juicy. Um, this will shock you, but smell good. Literally smell good. Hygiene, perfume, cologne, but not too much or just simply deodorant, essential oils, like whatever you need. Pheromones in person are the number one thing. I'm pretty sure that we, that helps us exchange information about us and the other person. So you can be like, you could be a, a random person walking on the street and Zach Efron could be standing right next to you. Just like this truly happened. He literally started dating a sushi waitress. So you can, <laughs> he, it's true. Like he, like Zach Efron started dating uh, his waitress because you can be the most average person ever. And your dream person can be walking by. And if you smell good, scientifically, you have a higher chance of attracting that person than if you weren't, and, and it's honestly actually one of the biggest complaints I get from people dating people is like the smell. So wow. weirdly enough, smell. Um, secondly, tip. yeah, yeah. I, I know that's like so nerdy and scientific. No, I love the nerdy that. scientific ones. It's so interesting. Yeah, smell good. And then, um, oh, I'll be slayed alive for this. Say it appearance matters. It really does. I already said it before, but, um, and because 
listen, the world's not just a bunch of, I said this in my speech, but the world's not just a bunch of hot people. It's really not. And the reason why I wrote the book is to relate to girls that feel like just like me and men that feel just like me, where they're not like Instagram models, but they're just like average trying to attract someone. Um, <clears throat> that's why I didn't put my face on the book because I wanted people to see themselves in the story. But, um, when I say appearance matters, Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. So you're going to attract whoever you want to attract. But I think we've like taken that statement so far, myself included, um, where for a really long time, I was just showing up places, not feeling my best. Um, a, because I had a chronic illness, but B, because I just wasn't putting effort and energy into being my best self. And um, unfortunately, the second I did is when I attracted a mate. So it I hate to put that out there, but, um, you know, take care of yourself, whatever that means to you, because within 30 seconds, someone's gonna, you have one chance for someone to say whether or not they're attracted to you. So, well, it's also what you're saying is like coming down to how you're feeling. Like you have to, you know, feel your best, which is a lot of it is like internal. It's like your health or it's emotional state, you know, like, feel like that goes hand in hand. Yep. So with that, I would say, um, get to know yourself, meaning create a life you're proud of. Think of your life as a blank canvas and whether you're in a relationship or not, you can get to know yourself if you're single through people by saying yes to things, which I didn't do. I was such a hermit, like hoping that what the Prince Charming is going to show up at my door. Like you have to go out, you have to go travel. You have to go meet people, go to events, podcasts, do networking things, reach out to people on social media, like do whatever you have to do. Um, and create as many hobbies and experience, try and create as many hobbies and experiences in, in your life possible to know what you do and don't like cook a new meal every week, like do what you can to figure out who you are. Um, I got, I moved, I traveled. It took me literally going to another country, but do whatever you have to do to get to know yourself because you're a new version of you every day. So that's why you got to keep up to date with that self-development stuff. Not enough people take the time, mission, vision, values, like simple stuff, goal setting. People don't do it. Everyone touts it, but no one really does it. So like that is the difference between someone who knows themselves and doesn't. Um, and then I would say finally write because um, me, people like therapists tell us to write in journals. That doesn't really work. What you should do is we tell stories to make sense of our realities. So for dating, um, I've given a lot of advice to a bunch of girls. There's probably gonna be like 9 million affiliate 10 dudes books out there one day. But um, my stories are not that like unique or like jaw dropping in the way that they're kind of just relatable. They're stories that like every girl at some point has gone through, but there are so many people reaching out to me with like outrageous stories where the guys like butt naked chasing them down the street and like they're having sex in trees and like crazy things. And I do have some of those stories, but really what you should do in terms of dating is write about how that experience went in a narrative form in a journal or on a Google doc, like you're telling the story to someone else. So Teal went on this date. It sounds so crazy. Like you're narrating your life and it sounds like, it sounds nuts, but like just open a Google doc next day. You go, go on Teal went on this date. This is what happened. Like the air was this smell. Like he smelled like this. I did this. He said this and I did or didn't like it. Describe the whole date. Then 
read it back to yourself and someone else. If you want to get into true analysis of your dating practices and get to know yourself, it is wild how you tell the story, how other people see it. And then that's true self-analysis. Writing in a journal is word vomit. That's not enough. Talking to a therapist, that's word vomit. That's not enough. It's the next step. It's the analysis that we have to do if we're going to grow. It's the actionable stuff that people don't do enough. So if if you're dating, girls do it now and guys too, but any gender, they'll write down their dates and they'll message me being like, I didn't realize this about myself. I Holy will shit. Time. I won't do this next time. So that's your biggest tips probably. I feel like you're the first person I've ever heard say that. Like, did anyone tell you to do that? Or do you just one day were like, I'm going to write this like a third person. Just for fun. <laughs> it was so- <laughs> like, oh, I actually God. love that advice though. Like it's really yeah. smart because it makes yeah, you get well- out of your own head and you're like not looking at it as like it's in, it's within you. Like, you know what I mean? You take yourself out and you're looking outside of yourself, looking in or looking down. Yes. And you realize when you share it with someone else, if I were to read my tent, I originally were to take my blog and I would read it to my two girlfriends. um, And I was so embarrassed reading some of the stuff back. And that's kind of like how I knew where I needed to grow. And whether you're reading that to your therapist or to your dog or whatever, read it out loud. So no one ever told me how to do that. And I didn't, um, unfortunately, I no therapist ever told me like that would have saved me thousands of dollars, but I, I really, <laughs> you know what I mean? If I just you figured like, it out. So it's okay. Yeah. What would you say are like the biggest things that people reach out to you about, um, advice for dating wise? It's I got, Oh, so a big part of why I took the, my social media and my writing down for a while is the questions you get are like, what picture should I put on my profile? How do I respond to this text message? How do I respond to this DM? What should I do in this situation? And that gets old after a while because it's not addressing the biggest issue, which is self-esteem. Um, Anyone who's reaching out asking those questions are questioning their worth. And I know that because that was me. And so I eventually published the book to give it to whoever it would serve, knowing that God is literally going to give it to the story to who needs to read it. And whether or not the story impacts them, it'll make them laugh or cry or just open their mind to something random they didn't know. But um, now, because I've strayed away from, I kind of stopped responding to those messages because that's not where my true passion lies. Now, when people reach out, I'm talking to them about steps they need to take to create a life that they're proud of and to become a confident person in or out of a relationship um, through different avenues, mainly a health psychology perspective, because that's what I went back and got my master's degree in. So I coach people now uh, with varying abilities like depression, OCD, anxiety, schizophrenia, dissociation, all those things, how those relate to our bodies, uh, how that those experiences can relate to our bodily health. Cause I yeah. also am a chronic illness sufferer and then how we show up in the world and that relates to our self-esteem. So although relationships, life is all about relationships with yourself, with other people that you're dating, whatever, although dating is a big part of what people come to be now, I always move the topic back to how is your health um, and how is your self-esteem, self-worth? Yeah. I feel like your self-worth 
is the foundation for like everything. So if you were to tell like, what advice would you give or like action items to figure out or not figure out, but how to increase our self-worth and to work on our own self. If we're feeling like we're low self-worth, how can we get to high self-worth? Yeah. Well, with self-worth, um, how to grow it is to me, or at least what I tell other people is the continuous devotion in self development. So, um, that is the practice it's accepting and incorporating the practice of self-development, which involves analysis, creation, introspection, um, vision, casting and manifesting. It's, it's taking time in your life to analyze your past, to look at your present and look toward your future with a good community around you and coaches. And so for me, I did what the textbook people would tell you to do for so many years, like get a therapist and um, journal about my heartbreak and whatever. But I was like going in circles and I wasn't finding answers. So true self-esteem is the experience. It's the practice. It's like I, I wrote in my book, I learned all of the science about love. And none of that ever taught me how to love myself. I heard about it. I knew about it. But until I put it into practice, I never got better. So to practice being of high value, high self-worth, high self-esteem, you have to practice having those things because we're all going to have days. Like the other day I woke up feeling like crap. I was feeling so down on myself. All these thoughts were coming up. But on an average day, I'm very confident, very happy in a totally different place than I am. We'll never go back to where I was then believe I'm a good spokesperson for what it means to have self-esteem, but it doesn't mean those thoughts won't creep in and whatever. So incorporating a practice and that's when meditation matters. Um, but honestly, I think people need to like study and analyze and get a coach, whatever yeah. that be, whether that be working with you on manifestation, um, working with me on health psychology, working with, um, a, cr- a community, a coaching community, or a business coach or a therapist, but not, you know, you can't just show up and talk. You have to do work. Yeah. And that's what people, that's where I was stuck on for a long time. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. And I think what people forget is it's like, you can't just do work, the work one day and it's going to all your problems are going to go away. Like it actually is a daily practice. Like you said, like we can feel so good. And then the next day, the thoughts creep in and it's like, it's because it's a daily practice and it's something you have to implement. It's a way of life. It's like a lifestyle. I told, I was talking to my friend about you years back. So this is another thing that I could say about Teal is um, people get envious of people who are happy and people, I I, I said a speech a few weeks back and someone raised their hand and they, it was like a zoom and they raised their hand and they were like, why, how are you this happy? Like, it seems like you've always been this way that everything has always been given to you. And you just are, you just popped out of the womb happy. And I used you as an example. And a couple, my other friend, um, do you know who Barry Hyenga is? Yeah. I just bought the water machine from her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. She's awesome. Yeah. That's not a joke, but, um, that's amazing. So I, I, I used you two as an example and I was like, there's, oh my two God, I'm honored. No, but I was like, there's two people I've known my whole life who, um, just 
practice happiness, you know, like you choose to be in those thoughts and no one, no one is born happy, right? You, it's just something you practice. So you do happy things. You hang around happy people. You are a happy person. Like what you do, you are. So, um, what, you know, I went, yeah, I went through a lot with all my sickness and my heartbreak and whatever else, but I for sure could have chosen to be, think differently back then with my thoughts. And so, and like, I was in charge of my narrative, right? So I could have told a different story. Um, and so eventually I took a story I didn't like and turned it into one I like. And so if you don't like who you are, change yourself into someone you like. What is that person? Write down who that person is and then become that. If yeah. you're dating someone and and you're feeling like, oh, I'm really going to miss this about this person. I mentioned this in the book. What space is that person creating for you that you're going to miss? Okay, they're fun. Well, my friend told me the other day, I miss this guy because he's so fun. I'm like, well, then are you not fun? She's like, not very fun. I was like, go be fun then. So that's what- it that's makes so much sense. Like yeah. that's something I took away from the book too, was like when you're writing your list, because everyone, if you're single should have a list of what you want or what you're looking for in a partner and your non-negotiables and not something you preach, which I think is so smart, but like on the list, if there's things on there that you don't have yourself, mm-hmm. then it's a sign that it's like, you should figure out ways to like comprise those qualities within you. Make a goal. Like I am not, to be honest, I'm such a hermit and I need to go out more and have more fun as well. So that could totally apply to me. So what's my goal then? I don't know. I haven't thought about it because I just had this realization like two days ago, but um, (laughs) next time I was goal setting, probably the goal would be, okay, once a week, I need to like pick something that I'm going to do. That's super fun. I can't just work the whole week and then not go out at any point or see people or whatever. So it's, yeah, it's having that list, yeah, knowing what's missing, what needs to change, and then actually putting that into practice. So, okay. Well, I'm curious too, like, what are your goals? Like, do you see yourself being like the next Esther Perel, like with 10 dudes and stepping into this field? Like what are your main goals and aspirations moving forward? So I, I've thought, so here's what I've always struggled with. I've always struggled. I originally wrote my book with a pseudonym because I didn't want the story to be about me. And the second it's about you, you become the product and then you become an influencer. And then And it's always felt unnatural to me. Like everyone's like, you need to be doing TikTok. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. I love podcasts. I will do a podcast. I love intimate conversations where we're analyzing things and thinking about things and leading in thought. Like that's cool. But um, I'm really an academic, like to the core where I appreciate um, science and I appreciate the results. Um, I'm really results oriented. So I love Matthew, Marissa, Esther, because the results they get are astounding. Like they've impacted millions of lives. Um, But to me, the second that I do that, I'm taken away from what I love, which is the true connection with the person that I'm helping and getting the results. So whether I will build a business and it will be something where hopefully I can help people on a larger scale with different programs or something like that, obviously, um, 
in February coming up, I might do a book club where I bring different people to talk about sex and interpersonal relationships, communication, have like a, one of my favorite friends, a workout instructor, come on, talk about the importance of taking care of your body, have a psychiatrist come on or a therapist come on, talk about how um, love impacts our brain and all of that. But actually, I think I will, my next steps are coaching and my doctorate. So I'll never lose that one-on-one contact with people. And I know that people who are big names want they move away from that eventually to run their empire um but from an early on time even if it doesn't make me a lot of money I won't do that unless I have people helping me doing the work for me because I need to be one-on-one with the client or the patient well yeah it's like you know that's what lights you up and I you're so good at one-on-one and intimate actual coaching and making a difference on people's lives in an intimate personal level you're naturally gifted at that so it makes sense thank you thanks yeah I know um well I love you so much and I love this conversation I want everyone to read 10 dudes because it's seriously like such a empowering book and it you will definitely gain value from it like I definitely did and it's just entertaining it's so relatable which I think is what was what's so powerful about it. Like you said, it's not something that you're just like, Oh, this is just going to happen to this one person. Like I've been in the shoes of your dating experiences so many times, which is really great. You know, your story. That was the point that anyone who reads it feels like it's theirs. You know, I love it. So where can everyone find you? Well, mm, I hate, I hate social media. I literally hate it. I have a website. It's www.blairward.com and um, put the E, B-L-A-I-R-E because everyone forgets that. And then my Instagram is at Blair Ward. And I've like, if anyone goes on my Instagram, follows me, it's, I totally am not into it, but I, you can reach me there. You can contact me there and eventually someone else will be there. So I bet the website is the best place to, to reach me. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) I know. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you did, please feel free to share it on social or with a friend. And if you haven't yet gotten the chance to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and can take a second out of your day to do so, I would be so grateful. Thanks again for listening. I deeply appreciate you all and make sure you remember to keep it real.